Why did you decide to open a hybrid school instead of just homeschooling your own kids? We have so many parents who want to take their kids out of the system, but for one reason or another, they're not able to give full attention to the child. So we have, um, we've got a handful of parents who both families, the both mom and dad work. And so even though their desire is to homeschool their kids, they're not able to put that time in. And so, um, We've seen a lot of parents just make incredible sacrifices where they're like, I don't want to lose the opportunity to be with my kids and learn with my kids. I just can't do it full time. So our school is three days a week. And then we put out a newsletter that guides them through different um, learning activities that they can do at home. And so the parents desire to engage with the child and still have homework time and academic time and unify their family just in that one little way they still have that opportunity to do that. Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. All right, well, welcome to another episode of American Potential. Thanks for joining us. You know, we talk a lot about different learning environments for students, but what do some of those environments look like? Today, I'm going to talk to three ladies who have started a school, not only for their families, but for other families as well. These three women worked together at a school, but due to some circumstances, they decided they needed to open up their own school. They got together and settled on a hybrid style that combines homeschooling and in-person learning. The school meets their students where they are academically instead of what grade they should be in and this allows them to have the building blocks they need to learn with this approach they're seeing their students fall in love with learning because they will go home and learn for another four hours unprompted because they just can't get enough i'd like to welcome katie bird katie ratzliff and jody hansen who started liberty's light academy Katie, Katie, and Jody, thanks for being with us. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. Yeah. So, uh, how many kids? And I guess I'll I'll start with uh, with uh, uh, Katie, whichever Katie wants to answer. How about that? How, how many kids do each of you have? Um, I've got four. She's got four, and I have six. Yeah. Wow. And she's got one that's still in a student in our school. Yeah. So we definitely have our own kids in a large, you know, age range. And then um, we have about 23 total in the school from preschool all the way up through high school. Wow, that's great. So can each of you talk a little bit? And, you know, I'm a parent myself, have have two kids, uh, but I know one thing for sure. My kids are not the same. They're very different. And I know that I'm sure that's part of the reason why you wanted to form this school is kids learn different. They're all different. I'm sure each of your kids are very different than the other ones. I mean, that really has a lot to do with it. Uh, isn't that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We do a lot of hands-on learning. We do a lot of like public speaking opportunities for the kids. Um, we do try to switch it up a lot. Our academics are pretty high level, even from first grade. You're You're learning stuff that you wouldn't learn in public school. Like in a dictionary, when you look at the pronunciation, of a word and you see those like upside down E's and you see like an O with a couple of dots over it. We're teaching those types of symbols from first grade. 
So what they consider in homeschool to just be like sight words, our kids are learning like briefs and macrons and schwas as their sight words in a, in a sense. And so we have very high level academics, but also just so much fun stuff to keep it light and happy and, and free so that they want to stay engaged. So let's talk about how you kind of came up with this idea. Talk about, I guess, your your own kids' experiences with schooling and what you were seeing and maybe how that led to your decision to start this school. Well, so um, so I have um, six children and they range in age from 14 to 20. And five of my children are adopted from China and Vietnam. Wow. And uh, we lived in California and... Um, we started kind of running into some issues. We decided to homeschool um, at the beginning. And so our oldest um, three were homeschooled. And then uh, we moved to Berlin, Germany, and it's not legal to homeschool in Germany. So we put them into um, a private school there. And um, our youngest daughter, we adopted right before we went to Germany. And we found out that she has um, what's called profound dyslexia, although it's not really considered um Dyslexia is not really considered a special need, um, but what it means is she has short-term memory issues and um, that she can't hear the vowel sounds, the difference between the vowel sounds. So she's um, 14 and she's unable to read very well. She can read maybe at a first grade level and her math is now up to a second grade level. And um, when we moved back to California from Berlin, I put her in at three years old into the public schools and they put her into a special needs program but they just kept passing her every single year without really, she wasn't progressing. She wasn't learning anything. And they just kept passing her. And when I'd go into the classroom, they would just give her a big box of toys to play with on the floor, or they'd put her on YouTube and let her watch YouTube. And I was, I was so sad by that. Um, we ended up having to go and get specialists and we've spent probably between 40 and $60,000 with specialists to help her to learn how to learn her ABCs and, and things like that. And, uh, working with um, the Barton system and other things, and it's worked well, but the school system um, wouldn't allow us to take her out very often to go get the specialist help. So finally, um, after they had her in a, a math class where she had to do double multiplication problems that she can't even do five plus three, um, I was just fed up and I said, I think we're pulling her out. So we pulled her out and I've been teaching her ever since. But it's been a it's been a long hard roll um, road, and uh, I met us. I went to, took her to a, a school here in Utah. Um, we tried to get her into other schools here, but everyone just told us she was too profound that her special needs were too much, and they couldn't help her help her with this. Um, she's very capable. She's not. Um, she's a smart fourteen year old. She just can't read or do math. Um, so I said, this isn't fair. She deserves to have an education. So the school that we were at um, prior to this, they were very accommodating and my daughter was there and she started to thrive. And um, when we decided that we needed to start our own school, that was my main purpose was there's so many kids out there that the schools are just passing, that they're just saying, um, you know, you've met, you missed a week of you missed a week of school, or maybe you were sick. We, you know, we have one student who's been um, who's had to have lots of surgeries and has missed school for those surgeries and is behind in some things. And so the teachers never let them catch up; they just move forward. And so that student's been so frustrated, and now that student is catching up to all those things that she's missed before. We've taken her back, and now she's catching up. And I think that's kind of what 
was the important thing to me was all of these kids, every child deserves a good education, not just sitting in a classroom, not just having a teacher standing up there and, and, and teaching things that they can understand. They deserve to actually be met where they are and then progress from there. You know, we talk about, and in fact, Congress passed a law called No Child Left Behind, but often that's what happens in a lot of schools is uh, children, it sounds like yours, right, who just, they just are left behind and and forgotten. And to me, that's one of the great things that school choice or educational choice provides is for parents to be able to see that, recognize it and say, you know, this school just isn't working for my kid. So I'm going to do something different with them. And and it really makes it, it makes an incredible difference. It's a life changing difference, I'm sure, for for your child uh, to be able to to see that. Uh, Katie and Katie, how about you? Do you, you want to talk a little bit about your kids and their experiences and what led you to do this as well? Um, for me, it was the separation of or the divide between the school and the, the family. Um I had a, a son come home telling me that his essentially his school was teaching him that he didn't need to respect his parents, but he needed to respect different branches of the government and things like that. And wow. I just thought, wait a second, um, that's not okay. Um, and that was kind of when I first really saw it. Um, but I think, I, I think a lot of it is just these kids can't sit for eight hours straight. <laughs> you know, I, um, one of my kids, he needs to move around. And so a lot of times when I'm trying to plan something, he's definitely in my mind, like, how can I make this active so that my son can enjoy this and and want to continue to do it? Um, and so I have to get really creative and throw in a lot of athletics um, in school um, and just have him moving constantly. So I think just sitting in a school for eight hours is is brutal, you know, for these kids, they need to be moving, especially boys. Boys need to, um, need to be moving. <laughs> like, yes. And so I have four boys. And so I look at it from that angle. How can we get these kids to move and learn at the same time? Um, and I think that's my other kids. Um, in fact, we were sick this past week and my little three-year-old every day, can I go to school? I'm like, no, you can't go to school. You're sick. I'm sorry. And so just knowing that he is missing it and wanting to be here, that he loves it. You know, he, that tells me that he's having a great time. And, and as a new, when I first had my oldest go to school, I didn't realize all the things I know now, right. I've learned that luckily I've learned things as I've gotten older, but um, when kids want to go to school, then they're going to work harder and, and it's going to make a big difference. And when they don't want to go to school, then it's just, it's awful. And I didn't realize that my kindergartner, he hated school and I had no idea what was going on. I thought it was, Oh, it's just a new thing. He'll get used to it. No, he was being treated poorly and didn't enjoy it. And I just didn't see all these signs that were, that I now understand um, what they are. So that's yeah. kind of been our path is just bringing together our family, uniting our family and school at the same time, because school is a huge part of our life and it can't be two separate things. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's been, that's my journey. Um, and that's why what I try, well, that's what I add to the school is how can we make this um, a smooth transition from school to home? Yeah. But it's interesting to have your child want to go to school and, and certainly, you know, missing being in school. I can remember being a kid. I almost hate to tell this story. My poor mom, she died many years ago, but 
as mothers, you'll understand this. I came in one day and she's like, what's the matter? I said, I'm sick, mom. And she stuck the thermometer, one of those old thermometers that you used to stick in your mouth. And she stuck it in there and left and came back in 10 minutes later. Well, I took it out and stuck it on the heat register to make my temperature go up. And she came back in and looked and she's like, you should be dead. Your temperature's 110. Anyway, um, so it's good. It, it is good to have kids that are, you know, that want to go to school. And, and that's that that makes all the difference in the world. Um, Katie, how about you? How about your kids experience? You know, what's interesting, like even my high achieving um, academic kids, they would come home from school and I'd be like, what did you learn? And they could not retell a single thing. They could not. They couldn't remember what they were learning. And I'm like, how can you sit there for eight hours a day and not retain anything? And that was just really interesting. And now that I've got them in this school, um, they are like recalling the names of bones. Like you wouldn't believe they're recalling like uh, Latin roots. They're they're just recalling all this stuff where I'm like, that was like kind of like the finer detail that we just skimmed over. But for whatever reason, she was taking notes in her notebook and eating it up. And and um, my kids have chances to like teach lessons and stuff in this school. And um, they've been excellent at it. You know, we have a religious class and my nine year old is just like, I know God is real. And at any given moment, like she's ready to give a talk in church. She's ready to like just testify of Christ. It's just amazing. The development that I've seen from my kids putting them in this school versus um the challenges and difficulties that they're having in public school. Um, my oldest, when she was in elementary school, um, she was just being, the boys would chase her around with an open maturation book. I mean, it's not like catching frogs and snakes anymore. It's like open maturation book, chasing the girls around the classroom. Wow. All the jokes were about suicide and were about, they, they played tag. I know, it's so inappropriate, but they played tag and they called it, um, sexual harassment panda. Gosh. And if you were tagged, you're raped. And that's the kind of games that they were playing out in the field. And these, we live in a neighborhood that is very family friendly, that I consider to be extremely safe with very low crime rate. But these were the things that the kids were talking about. And so I pulled my daughter out in ninth grade, um, my oldest, and um, she had had pornography put on the desk at her school. And I had worked really hard to try to get the pornography out of out of the libraries and out of the classroom. And um, really what I learned was that you if you tell the teachers or if you tell the principal, really nothing is done about it. You have to escalate all the way up to the superintendent before they open an investigation against that school. And you have to work with the district in order to get things done. And it's very um, hit and miss, very hit and miss about what inappropriate things are taken out of schools and which things are not. But my daughter was um, singled out for her political beliefs. She was called out by teachers and made fun of um, for supporting the Constitution. And I just thought, this is not the environment I want my kid to grow up in. This is not where her life mission is taking her. She needs to be free to express herself and explore deeper concepts, you know. Yeah. And one of the first priorities in this school that that was important to me was making sure that we had a history program where we could look at the founding documents, that we could look at the actual documents of Martin Luther King's speech or Patrick Henry's speech and actually go through it line by line. 
And we've learned a lot about like Frederick Douglass and been able to just explore all of those thought leaders throughout history. That's made such a difference in her um, love for America and in the founding of our country and what it really means. That's that's great. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Now, the three of you were working at at a school together, right? So Mm -hmm. so did you just I mean, I'd love to hear more about how the idea of Liberty's Light Academy came about. Like, did you just kind of come together and talk about your experiences and how it wasn't going well? And I mean, just tell me that journey a little bit. I I think this the school we were at it was it was great. It for me it gave me um this uh this confidence that I could do I could do this as a mom. You know, um, I have a degree but not in teaching. Um and so I was really nervous like I can't teach my kids. <laughs> but working at that school taught me like I can do this and I can make it fun and um and we can talk about God. That was the biggest thing for me that I like wow, I didn't realize you could marry the two because my whole life, it was, it, it was never that way. You don't talk about God in school. Um, and so the fact that I could do that, um, have fun and talk about God and learn like that was like blew my mind. <laughs> and so, um, so that, that school got, just gave me the confidence that I needed. Um, and, you know, we talked about all these different options there are out there for school and the three of us just kind of had, we just wanted to go down a different, a different road. And so we, we got together and, and that's how it all started. Um, we wanted, um, I don't know, what would you say? Like, we just, we just needed, we needed a different path for our kids and for our family. Um, and so that's how the school started. Um, and we have taken a lot of things that we have learned previously and applied them. And so um, I will forever be grateful for that starting point. We loved our, our other school for so many reasons. The environment was incredible. And what we saw firsthand was that when we were starting our day with prayer and keeping God in mind and testifying of Christ in every subject, our kids were learning three times faster. And specifically her daughter with, um, profound dyslexia, like she was able to retain information and keep moving forward, which was something we had never seen with that student before. We thought she was always going to be stuck in first grade. And that's what she had been told her whole life. And now she's actually moved up to second grade math because we feel like if we've added prayer to it and there's they're retaining information and they're learning through the spirit and they're learning through like the um, foundational like structure of religion and academics tied together. There's just something just really profound about it. What we love about school choice is that um, we love what we gained from the last school that we were at. The founding principles of that school were tremendous and it taught us a higher way of doing education. And, um, and we just found the more that we worked together, the more we realized we aligned on so many, like our vision for where we wanted things to go academically, our vision for where we wanted policy to go and out of respect for that school and its founding mission, we realized that our we were coming up with a founding mission that was just a slightly different flavor, but very, very similar. And so we love school choice for the fact that you can get all of these different flavors, whether you're in a homeschool co-op or whether you're in a private school, a charter school, a public school. Um, but everybody has a different way of doing things, whether it's more STEM based or more hands-on based. 
Like you really need, your child is going to need different things for different seasons of their life. And parents have to be ready to just be flexible and pull your kids in, pull your kids out with whatever they need and whatever flavor of education they're seeking. Yeah. And not every school has to be the same, right? I mean, the, 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 and not every kid will fit every school. So uh, that's why we want them to be different. And maybe that's, well, that certainly is, I think, where we failed in education uh, for so long is we've tried to make kind of cookie cutter schools and make them all equal and the same. And kids aren't equal in this. Kids certainly aren't the same and they're not treated equally uh, oftentimes, as, as you pointed out. Um, why did you decide to open a hybrid school instead of just homeschooling your own kids? Um, I think probably the reason why is our kids do want to be with their other kids. They do want to have that that social experience. And um, at least with my daughter, um, she really engaged more. She wanted to do more when there were other kids. It, it was the challenge. It was like, they're doing this. I can do this too. It was the seeing that. And it was the, this is my, they like to have, this is my best friend. Now, the interesting thing with our school is our best friends range from, you know, five to 15. So they, she has some friends who are seven. She has some friends who are 15. So um, it, it's, it's kind of awesome. And um, I think the other thing that I really like about it is that um, they're learning how to work in society. They're learning to work with all different types of people and they're learning to work with different ages. And um, part of our philosophy is to have the older kids teach the younger kids. So we work really hard to um, have the older kids. We, we have, give them the information and we have them come up with how they want to teach it. And what's happening is the kids are even more engaged learning from, from the older kids and then the older kids learn it better. Um, but for us, I think too, it's just, we really wanted them to have strong foundations. I went all the way through public school and I was failed in so many ways. Um, I went through um, with math. I, I got sick in, in fifth grade and I lost how to, I didn't understand how to do fractions and I was never taught fractions. And so for the rest of my years through junior high and high school, I just got straight Fs or D minuses in math. And it was so disheartening. And pretty soon I had a great point. This is terrible to say on national TV, but I had a great point at a national podcast, but I had a, a great point average of 1.6 and no longer cared to be in school. And I had a, a teacher who said, you are so brilliant. What are you doing with the 1.6? What are you doing with these low grades? Can I get you into an AP class? I really think you'd be great in my AP, um, my APR history class. Can I fight for you to get in this class? And I said, sure. Well, within, um, that was my sophomore year. I ended up taking six more AP classes and ended up getting fives on the tests and doing really great. And I never did get the math piece until I went to college. And I had a, just at a community college, somebody with the instructor there said, you got lost in math at fifth grade. Let's take you back. And they took me back and taught me that principle. And by the end of the year, I was in college algebra from going from basic to that. And that was just, I needed that piece. And that kind of spurred me on to how important foundational education is and how important it is to have all kids have a foundation. And if they have a foundation, you can build on it. But what I was seeing in the public schools with my kids um, who went to public school, they don't teach foundation. They just teach concepts. They just have, well, now we're going to learn about this. And now we're going to learn about this. Today, we're doing Native, uh, Native American appreciation. Today, we're doing this. Today, 
and they weren't really getting the foundations for English, for reading, for math, for science, for history. They were getting everything else. And I was like, that's not a way for us, for them to succeed in the future. I didn't see any way for their future to be bright with not really having a foundational education. Yeah, one of the interesting things we've seen foundationally as we've seen public school kids coming out of the system and coming into our system, um, they kind of get stuck either at second grade or at fourth grade. And it's been consistent with every single child that we've seen. And um, like when we were kids, we were learning phonics and we were understanding like the more finer points of language arts and spelling and why the letters do what they do. And now we're learning whole language in public school. They're learning sight words and and there's almost like a learned dyslexia that has come from that, which is really interesting. But um, it's not obvious to kids how to spell. Like you might get a kid who spells the word door, D-O-R-E. And that seems like that should work because I've seen that pattern in language before, but they don't understand those finer points of seeing the I and the E or seeing an R in the middle of a word. And so their vocabulary isn't where it should it should be for their age because they haven't learned those phonic structures. And so we teach them little phrases, little catchphrases and little tricks to help them learn the phonics and like the founding reasons for why we use K, why we use CK. Where do you use an I versus an IE? And those types of things help their spelling just take off exponentially. And they're able to just spell so naturally after, after they understand the phonics rules. What, what are you hearing from the customers, from the, you know, your families, the, the, the parents oh and the children? They that, love that it. Oh my gosh, they love it. Like we, we had a parent night um, pretty recently and we thought we knew where we were going with the agenda. And then it's like the parents just wanted to open up and talk. But the stories that they were telling us were just amazing stories of healing, academic healing, like where we've had kids who had kind of like an anxiety with math. And we took them back just a little bit to what they knew. And then we let them come back up to grade level. And it was amazing. It's amazing the shock on the child's face when they realize that they can get 100% on a test, when they realize that they have retained the information and that they can actually start moving forward. And right before Thanksgiving break, we had two weeks solid, solid two weeks of almost every single child getting 100%, 100%, 100% on every test in every subject. Like that was huge. And we kind of knew it wasn't us. It It was like, it was them. It was them because they're going home and they're doing their math and it becomes so easy to them because they have a a gentle launch point because we're pulling them back just a little bit. But because they have that gentle launch point to just keep moving forward, they're like addicted to the math. And one mom said that she's like, we have to do lights out two hours earlier because I can't get this girl to like stop thinking about math. She'll finish her math workbook and she'll just start like clawing out of my bookcase, like trying to find more math books, trying to find more information. Like she's just so hungry for math. And, um, but we've seen it basically in every subject. Like my kids just started downloading all of these apps because they were so into anatomy and they just wanted to start memorizing all of the bones. And once they learned the, the Latin root osteo 
was for bones. They started seeing the word osteo in like every single word. And they're like, I just have to memorize all of these words. And they were just peeling through books and peeling through apps and, wow. and just like make gamifying learning. And it became addictive for them. That's incredible. How difficult was it for you to get the academy started? That's an interesting question um, <laughs> because there's just a lot of moving parts and, and trying to stay on task. And um, because there's only three of us, it's, it's hard to, you know, when we first started, we had to figure out a building. We had to figure out curriculum. We had to figure out how to implement the curriculum. We had to figure out if there's enough room in the building for all the children. Um, originally it was going to be in my basement and, and, um, cause that was all we could find, you know? Um, and we just realized we had too many kids for it to be in the basement. And so finding a building and um, doing business license, there's just, there's just so many little things like that, that it's like, it's almost busy work. <laughs> and really so over the summer is like, well, when do we get to the fun part? This is so like, so it was just staying on task with those, like, um, kind of annoying little things that was that was hard um now that school is going it's a lot more fun but then we also have the administrative part that we're like like that part <laughs> nobody wants to do the administrative part except for maybe uh -huh. katie um and so that she's she does great at it but so that's hard because she but she's also teaching and so it's hard to to be doing so many different things at one time you know we're wearing a lot of different hats right now the mom hat the cook hat the driving hat the teaching hat, the, the disciplining hat. So there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of moving parts. And so I think it was just keeping track of what we were doing and just making sure we were just one step in front of the other. Um, but so I think that was the hardest part. And then, and then not knowing, like, like I said, we were trying to find a building and so that was the hardest part. Like we didn't have a building. We didn't have a building. Okay. School's in, we, in fact, we just told the parents, okay, it's going to be in my basement. And then I think a week later, we had this amazing opportunity come up and we're like, okay, just kidding. It's going to be here now. And so, um, and, and every week it's like, as you, as you work with the kids, it's like, okay, this is working really well, but this isn't. So let's try and change this. And so, and so, and I'm like, I'm constantly evaluating everything. Okay. This is working good. But let's change this and let's change this. And so eventually I think we'll get to a part where we're, we are, we're not doggy paddling out in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> That's kind of how it feels. We're just barely keeping our nose above the water. Um, and it, but it's gotten better. Like now I feel like my whole head is out of the water and, um, but I'm still doggy paddling. But, um, I think I, it's just, it's just all those parts. It's hard. And it's hard just the three of us doing it, but. I was just going to say, I think the amazing thing is, is if you look across, at least for us, we have friends in, um, Idaho, in New Mexico, in, um, Georgia, we have friends all over. And what we're finding is these micro schools are starting everywhere and it's doable. And if you feel like you need to get your kids out of the public school system and you're not finding a place yet that that is the right fit, if it's some of these charter schools, some of these other private schools that are out there, they're really full because parents are realizing that the public school system has been failing them and that they're really there are a lot of other solutions. So if you're like, what do I need to do? This is doable. You can do this. And um, if there's anybody out there, we're, I mean, we're nothing special, but there's a lot of us who are starting to do this right now. We know of at least um, probably eight micro schools who have started in the past two to three years. Yeah. And so it, it's doable. Just 
you need to just have faith that you can do it. Have faith in yourself and know that if this means that much to you, if your kids are that important, and now it's not just my daughter and my kids, but it's all of these kids. Every single morning, I'm like, okay, what can I do more for this student? And what can I do for this? When you realize that we're helping to build the future of America the and the future leaders, that's the most important thing to me is what do we need to do? Because the schools are failing them. Well, and that's, you know, to me, this is kind of how education started in America, right? I mean, you had families that were out on the prairie or, you know, wherever, mm-hmm. and they kind of said, hey, we need to we need to teach our kids and educate them. And they kind of banded together as, as a, you know, a few families sort of coming together. And I, I guess the follow on, and you alluded to this, but what advice would you give parents that are wanting to start, I guess, any type of school, but but particularly a school like this? I would say, trust yourself. You have talents. And if God is putting it on your heart to start a school and you have even the smallest desire to do it, you will find the answers. Like you will be led to exactly what you need to do. We were able to build this school in three months and it was three months of really, really intense work and no breaks at all. But we were driven by something bigger than ourselves. We were driven by a love for the families we were serving, a love for our own children, um, just this like great ideas that God was just putting on our heart that we were like, let's look into this, let's look into this. And the doors just kept opening. And so I think that's, you need to trust. So Jeff, coming back to one of your earlier questions, you had asked why you felt like a hybrid homeschool was, um, why did we feel like that was the most effective way way to go? Um, One of the things that we love about the hybrid homeschool system is that we have so many parents who want to take their kids out of the system, but for one reason or another, they're not able to give full attention to the child. So we have a handful of parents who just have health health needs, you know, where they're not able to just engage in homeschooling full time. Um, we've got a handful of parents who both families, the both mom and dad work. And so even though their desire is to homeschool their kids, they're not able to put that time in. And so... Um, We've seen a lot of parents just make incredible sacrifices where they're like, I don't want to lose the opportunity to be with my kids and learn with my kids. I just can't do it full time. So our school is three days a week. And then we put out a newsletter that guides them through different um, learning activities that they can do at home. And so the parents desire to engage with the child and still have homework time and academic time and unify their family just in that one little way. They still have that opportunity to do that on Mondays and Fridays. And um, a lot of families will choose to like put their kids in extracurricular activities and stuff on days that we're not in school together. And that's been very effective for their kids to be well-rounded. They've been able to find additional homeschool co-ops that offer more like elective opportunities, whereas we just focus really heavily on the core, um, like core academics. And the other thing that kind of makes us unusual or unique is that um, typically in a homeschool co-op, the parents, all the parents, if you're enrolled, you're required to, to come and teach and pitch in. And in our school, we're a drop-off model, which is very hard to find in the homeschool community, at least where we live. Um, but parents get to be engaged as much as they want to be engaged with their child. If they want to come into the classroom and physically be um, a teacher's aide, they have those opportunities. If they want to just teach on the weekends, we have learning opportunities that are home-centered. 
And if they want to like just drop their kids off and that's all they can handle, they just want their kids to be in a better environment, getting a better education than they would in public school. They just drop them off and three days a week, like that's enough. I, I'm really, really surprised how three days a week it burns the kids out. Their brains are totally full by the end of those three days. It's pretty incredible. That's great. Well, listen, I want to thank all of you for joining us today, but also, you know, for, for kind of hoping, helping inspire other parents, you know, to see that you've done this, they can do it too. And I think what it really shows is that, uh, you know, in America, we can do this and we can do it right. And we shouldn't be leaving children behind. And if parents believe that their kids are being left behind, they need to, you know, they, they ought to step up and uh, have the courage and conviction to do this. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. All right, great. Well, listen, this is another example of, you know, parents in the education system, parents just saying, you know what, this isn't working for, for my kids and I'm going to make a change. And we see how their kids have flourished in this. And we've done episode after episode of this. And I'd encourage you uh, to do that same thing. And uh, if you feel like your child isn't getting the proper education, you know, that's our responsibility as parents. I'm a parent and that's my responsibility to my kids. You can't just let the system keep failing uh, them. So thanks for joining us on another episode of American Potential. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.